Welcome, Bulls fans. This is Bruin and McEwen, a USF baseball podcast. I'm your host, Adam Cartwright, and tonight I am with my co-host, Matt Giardino, and uh, we are going to be recapping weekend number two of the USF Bulls baseball season. Um, after that, we'll be sending it off to Mark Giardino, Giardino, sorry about that, as he is has a great conversation with Brett Nevitt of Knowles 247, and they're going to be previewing Tuesday's midweek matchup uh, with the Florida State Seminoles. However, before we get to that, uh, Matt, we had a pretty historic weekend this past weekend. What'd you think? Yeah, four uh, four straight wins with you know basically mercy ruling every single one of them. Uh, we were originally supposed to play thirty six innings, and we we actually got to play uh, one more than we usually do, uh, <laughs> which is always a good thing. Uh, you know, we were a little bit um, not necessarily worried about the offense last week. We knew we face a tough pitching staff but um you know we really want to see them get going and they sure as uh didn't di- disappoint at all this past weekend that's for sure absolutely not and we'll get right into it i think uh you kind of said it, it absolutely was an offensive just onslaught i just felt like out out the gate from friday to to sunday when they left the mayor's pitching staff was just being shelled they were under fire the entire time uh, from what I counted, I thought we had at least we had four hitters that I've got noted that hit over 400. I'm pretty sure we had at least a couple more that were over 300. Uh, that's almost an entire lineup hitting over 300 for a weekend, and that is crazy. Uh, we saw some absolute uh, huge home runs from Bobby Vozer and Drew Brechers. They both hit one over 430 feet. Uh, we saw home runs from Montez and uh, Rafi. Uh, Rafael Betancourt uh, and, and uh, Jackson Mayo as well. Uh, so really, just 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 an absolute onslaught from the start to beginning. Yeah, no, you you hit the nail on the head, and I think uh, on top of all that, the most important thing is our 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 hitters actually stayed patient at the plate as well. They drew a lot of walks. Uh, we knew going into the series that Marist had some control issues, walking batters, and. We were, you know, we weren't just uh, going up there without a game plan. We we knew exactly what to do, and you know, when we got a pitch over the plate, we put that in the seats as well. Absolutely, you know, the wind was was crazy this weekend. I, I'm pretty sure it was blowing out all weekend long. You know, I only say that it played a factor. I think uh, we had a triple where I think might have been playable, but the wind just kind of kept drifting the center fielder back till he till he missed it. I can't exactly remember who hit that, but I thought Rafi's home run when he hit it, he kind of he kind of acted like he might have popped up right there, and then that ball just kind of kept going and going and going until it went right on out. Uh, it didn't affect us too much, but it definitely affected them, and it was uh, it was just really fun to watch. Uh, another thing I thought was great to see was that I thought we really stayed aggressive stealing bases, even when we got up, uh, you know seven, eight, nine, ten runs, I thought we were still kind of being aggressive. And some people might look at that as maybe piling on. And I look at it as you you have to get better at stealing bases at some point. You can't wait until you need to steal a base to decide you're going to start stealing bases or you're not going to be very good at it. Uh, you can rep it all you want in practice, but it's it's just like anything. Game reps are different. And so I was really happy to see us really getting some game reps when we were getting guys on. We weren't letting the score kind of dictate how we were planning or how we were approaching our offense, and uh, we were really stealing. I had 12 stolen bases uh, over the four days, and I think that was awesome. How about you? Yeah, and I think also with that, 
you get a lot of guys that normally in, in tight game situations that you wouldn't send, uh, you get to mm-hmm. send them in those types of situations and give those guys reps and, and real game experience. But at the same time, you know, we don't have anything on the line. So uh, that always might pay off down the, down the stretch as we get a little bit further down into the season. Absolutely. Um, well, before we talk, I, I want to talk about some newcomers that we saw because we did in that Sunday game, we got to saw a lot of uh, freshmen and, and first time bulls get some playing time. Uh, or I'm sorry, get some at bats. But um, I just want to talk about Drew Brutcher because uh, he had 444 over the weekend. I said he hit that towering home run. Uh, he had three RBIs, seven runs, but he had eight walks. And I think I, I pointed that out to you guys, and we were texting, I, and I, I probably said it a few times. I was like, he is so patient. Uh, and I think that's crazy because I think on the year, when you looked at it, he has 10 walks to two strikeouts. And so I, I think on the surface, you might look at what he's doing at the plate, and you're thinking, eh, it's, it may be a little pedestrian, especially compared to, you know, Betancourt hitting 636 over the weekend. But uh, he's he, he's honestly, he's he's taking what they're giving him. He's being patient. He's not chasing. And he's really being a very efficient hitter, uh, if not a flashy one. And it's just been really fun to watch. Uh, another guy I wanted to mention was Joaquin Monquet. He really broke out this past weekend. He had 538, six RBIs, and six, uh, I'm sorry, uh, three runs. Uh, also caught very well again. He threw a couple guys out uh, trying to steal bases, if I remember uh, correctly. Uh, but he, he's a wall back there. He looks like the most. I, I would I would say natural or polished catcher that we have. I'm not saying that that uh, that Ben that Ben wasn't uh, wasn't good uh, behind the plate because he was, but uh, I, I don't know. There's just something about Monkey. He just really feels like the, the number one catcher right now. Yeah, no, I I agree completely. He uh, like you said, he threw out a couple of base dealers this weekend, and you know he's got a lot of experience back there as well, and. You know, you can't beat a, a really good hitting catcher as well. You know, he had well over 800 OPS last year, bat over 300. Combination of that is, uh, you know, you don't really find that a lot across uh, college baseball or, or any level of baseball. Absolutely, absolutely. And well, then also, uh, I was going to say, going back to Drew, you know, that, that's pretty incredible. Ten walks, two strikeouts. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, obviously had his struggles with strikeouts in a couple of, uh, couple of stretches last season. So seeing early on his approach has gotten a lot better and taking a lot more pitches. It's exactly what's going to lead him to success as, uh, as the season progresses. Absolutely. It was great to watch. He's got a couple stolen bases too. So he's one of those guys that are getting some reps in, taking some bases. Um, so that was cool. Uh, as I as I kind of alluded to, we did get to see some first time bulls. We saw uh, Richardson, uh, Mock, Puckett, and Ross all got their first uh, first at bats. Richardson actually got a start in left field uh, on Sunday, and I believe he actually got an at bat on Saturday as well, if I if I remember correctly. I I might be <laughs> Saturday was kind of a a rough day for me to follow. My son's first birthday party was was Saturday, so I was a little little back and forth there, but um. Uh, I I think Ross was the only one that got on. He, he had a walk, but uh, I think we, we had somebody talk about, like, uh, they didn't look like they were overmatched at the plate, and I thought that was good to see. I think Mock uh, hit a ground ball to second, uh, so he got some contact. Uh, Richardson got contact as well. Um, so, I mean, that's good to see, you know, out of their first uh, plate appearances. 
you know, right now when you when you see what our what our first lineup did over the courses of Friday and the two games on Saturday, you kind of look at it and you wonder. I, I don't know if there's a spot right now every day for one of them, uh, but it is good to see that we've got some guys that we can that can come off the bench in a pitch hit situation uh, and be yeah. pretty successful. Yeah, definitely. And I think uh, just going back to uh, what I said earlier in terms of getting those guys experience, real game experience, you know. It's only going to pay dividends in the future. We've seen, you know, how easily, you know, injuries happen in this game and uh, to be able to get them experience. We know they're very talented players. Uh, Richardson in particular got a lot of playing time during the fall ball and also during spring ball as well leading up to the season. Um, so definitely there's a lot of opportunities potentially out there for them in the future, but uh, just getting them the game experience now, it definitely uh, can't hurt. That's for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, our pitching staff uh, had a pretty good weekend, I, I guess, when you look at it on paper. Nobody, uh, is in, in terms of our starters, and I don't believe in terms of our relievers either, I don't think we had anybody give up more than two runs uh, in the outing. Um, however, there was a bit of a walk issue. Uh, what were your thoughts on the pitching? Yeah, and I... I think, uh, you know, obviously you point out the walks and, and stuff like that, but it could have also stemmed from the uncompetitive nature of the game and the game flow as well. You know, if your team is up, you know, a significant amount of runs, it, it could be a little bit more challenging to maintain concentration. But obviously our pitchers, they went in there with a game plan, so you would hope that the the walks would come down a little bit. But um you know, ultimately, you know, I think the most important thing is, you know, keeping them off the scoreboard. And, you know, when you look at Hunter Mick, Madonna, Brown, and Siebert, you know, the most that any of them gave up was the two runs on, on Friday night uh, with Hunter. But overall, you know, you can't be disappointed with, you know, basically averaging close to five innings a start and, uh, you know, basically a run per, uh, per five innings as well. But definitely want to keep, continue to, keep an eye on the walks and, you know, I think as the games get a little bit more competitive as we get, you know, in front of more, more difficult teams, I, I think those numbers will start to come down. Yeah, I, I agree too. Uh, and, and you almost want to tell, or I'm sure this was probably a conversation that Coach Mo had with his pitchers, you know, when he'd have some of these meetings is when you are up like that, that's, that's all the more reason to pitch to contact. You know, <laughs> you got a lot of confidence behind you. Uh, so I, I think you're right. I think we're going to see that drop, um, you know, uh, in terms of the walk. Siebert had a, had a pretty good day. I think when you look at him kind of in a vacuum, five innings, one run, uh, two walks, four Ks. Uh, you looked at his start and probably thought that he had a couple more innings in him. I, I don't know that that anyone else really had that. Um, you know, Mink, Mink has been has been kind of up and down. He's been dominant at times and he, and he gets a little shaky. And so. Uh, but I thought Siebert was, you know, again, he, he, he seems to, seems to, to have it all together. Um, I also think, you know, if you really kind of look at this, we saw the, we had the four starts because of the four game, but I think you might've got, you know, we brought in, I'll just go ahead and say it. We brought in Logan Beavis for a three inning relief. And that was the longest kind of relief outing that we have. So that makes me wonder if that was a, 
let's see if he's a relief guy or let's see if he can we can kind of keep extending him to get to four and five and maybe look at him in a in a uh, midweek or even a Sunday start uh, situation. I thought he looked uh, you know good. I get, again, I didn't really get to watch the Saturday stuff, so it was a little tough, but he also had three walks, so again, that's something he's going to have to attack as well, but he also had the three strikeouts to go along with it. Uh, as somebody uh, that maybe got to pay a little bit more attention on Saturday, what did you think of Beavis? Yeah, I think overall his stuff looked good. Um, you know, he still has the velo that we've been talking about all off season. Uh, you know, I think the experience that he got this weekend might even set him up for uh, a start when we're looking at FSCU tomorrow. Um, you know, in terms of guys that we've stretched out and uh, you know have starter potential, I think he might be a candidate to to go a couple innings tomorrow. Uh, but overall, I, I think for his first outing, he really, uh, you know, he did well. He got three strikeouts as well in those three innings. So obviously his stuff was on maybe, you know, as you mentioned earlier, his, his walks were a little bit high. But at the same time, you know, that could be just freshman nerves first time out there. So um, it's excusable in, in, in that way. Absolutely. He didn't let it he didn't let it fall off the rails. So, you know, and so he didn't let it really. Uh, get too 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 bad. Um, some other guys I kind of had noted. Uh, Grouse gave us an inning of uh, no run baseball. He he also had a walk, but again battled out of it. Uh, Mink comes in. Uh, believe he gave up one hit, but then we got the double play. He ended up facing the minimum. He didn't give up uh, a run. Uh, Dorsey came in. He did give up one run. It was a it was a it was a big fly, uh, but. <laughs> It's kind of one of those things when you throw as hard as Dorsey does and somebody gets out on it, it's going to go, <laughs> you know. Uh, but, again, that was the only he, – he didn't let it fall off the rails. Uh, but, again, probably not the best outing that he would have liked, but uh, it, it was okay. Uh, what did you think of the relievers overall or anybody that caught your eye? Yeah, I mean, Chandler, I think, in my opinion, he, he continued to do really well aside from that one uh, one mistake that he made overall uh, – I think uh, Tanner, he's going to be a continued senior leadership on the staff as well. Good to see him get a, a one, two, three inning there. Uh, overall, the, the bullpen's looking pretty good. Um, obviously, it's a pretty small sample size, especially with the shortened game, seven inning games, and our starters going at least five innings. We didn't get to see, um, you know, too much of the bullpen this weekend, but uh, I know there's uh, one person you're, you're looking forward to uh, talking about here. Yeah, we'll just we'll just get right into it. Uh, so we had the the Bryce Archie debut. If you don't know who Bryce Archie is, he's a quarterback for our football team. Uh, obviously, he is a multi-sport athlete. We'll, we'll get into a quick bio. Uh, multi-sport athlete out of Powder Springs, Georgia, uh, at McEachern High School, which I may or may not be saying that right, and I do apologize. Uh, 16th rated pitcher out of Georgia in 2022 by Perfect Game. I uh, looked it up. He struck out 56 hitters and 39 innings pitched as a senior. Uh, that's that's a pretty great ratio overall. Um, I'll, I'll talk about what I thought after you. I'll let you take this one. What did you think of the Bryce Archie debut? I mean, it was really, really good to see as a Bulls fan. I mean, he was sitting anywhere from 94, 95, topped out at 96, had a really tight uh off-speed pitch as well in the mid-80s. Uh, he looked really good, and he also carries a really good mound presence as well. 
I think he's going to be a, an amazing addition to the Bulls bullpen uh, as we continue on with this season. Yeah, I will first say that I was surprised. I I, I think, I, I, like I said, a Bryce Archie debut wasn't on my bingo card, but it was a great day. You know, it was a great time to do it. Uh, I can't, you know, you can't really fault that. And, and I just kind of did what you said. I thought he looked great up there. Uh, just to run through the numbers, one inning pitch, no runs, uh, no walks, 1K. A uh, couple hits, but sometimes that happens when you throw good pitches. The, the important part was he got out of the inning there with no runs. Uh, like you said, good velocity. Uh, you could you, – if you watch the football team at all and, and you got to see when Bryce got on the field uh, or where I saw it was when I went to a game in person and I, I saw him warming up. You knew he had arm strength because I, I I think there was actually even a play in the season where everybody knew it was going to be a hail mary and they actually put Bryce Archie in the game, and I was just like, and I remember thinking like, okay, he he must have a cannon like because that's the only thing we're doing here to see how far somebody can throw it, um, and you saw that on the mound, yeah, like you said, he had great velocity, uh, nice nice little off speed pitch to go with it, uh, and I think I I think he's going to be a good piece to the bullpen, um. You know, one thing you can say about a quarterback is he's probably got some composure. Uh, you know, maybe he can handle. You know, again, it's, it's standing on a mound is, is is rattling in itself, but standing in a pocket with with you know engage eight coming down on you, that's a pretty nerve wracking situation. Uh, and so uh, you, you hope that's going to translate well there on the mound, uh, and we're going to get something great out of it. Um, any final thoughts about Bryce Archie? Yeah, I think just the, the one other thing is, you know, if he's uh, attacking the zone, he knows that his stuff is good enough to attack the zone. And I think that's exactly what we saw. Um, you know, it was one one inning, small sample size, but no walks, you know, putting the ball in, in, in the in the zone and, and getting strikes. I think, uh, you know, that's something that we could really use on, on the pitching staff this season. I agree. I agree. Well, Bryce, from all of us at Brew and MQ, and welcome to the baseball team. And uh, we're we're going to be happy to watch you play. Uh, one last thing I wanted to talk about before we just kind of give general thoughts of the weekend uh, before we send it on to Mark. Uh, secondary defensive lineup. We talked about it. Uh, you know, we were probably going to get to see. We we we've had a very consistent lineup and defensive alignment. Throughout the first five games, we did get to see how it gets changed here towards the end of this season. Uh, particularly the, the things I want to talk about is Monkey going to third, uh, Rosenblum catching, and then we had multiple left fielders with Brodill and Richardson. Uh, what did you think about, about those particular situations? Yeah, I thought it was really interesting to see Monkey at third. Uh, obviously, he has a cannon of an arm, so... He'll have no problem throwing it across the diamond just as he does throwing out batters uh, running from first to second. So I, I think, you know, that's a, a definitely a, a good option at third base. And, you know, he, he basically uh, it translates really well from catcher to third base just overall. You're getting really hard uh, balls hit to you at third base just as if you're catching a 96-mile-per-hour fastball. So, I think it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, him get more opportunities out there, especially to get his bat into the lineup in a consistent basis and as well as Ben uh, on any given day. So really excited to see how that plays out in the future. Uh, also with uh, you know Ben 
uh, being able to play left field as well as catcher. I, I just love the overall versatility that our catchers have on the team. Um, that's kind of my thoughts on on that situation. Yeah, absolutely. I think when we talk about versatility in our lineup, a lot of that kind of gets pushed towards Bobby Bozer because, you know, he's the Swiss Army knife and can do anything. But when you look at this roster top to bottom, there's a ton of versatility. Uh, we've seen Monkey also play first base. We've seen uh, Rosenblum, I believe, play first base at times. Uh, we've seen Rosenblum play second base, I believe, when he, when he first came over, um, as well as what we're talking about now, left field and catcher. Um, and so, again, you know, just, just you know, weapons, you know, the, to be able to do that many things. Uh, it, was, it was good to see Monkey at third. I thought he played it well, gives another option. Um, you know, as we go, I, I, I really think, that first lineup that we saw for the first four games, that's probably our, I, I think it's our best lineup uh, that we've seen. Again, you only seen the first one one time, so it's really hard to say that. I understand, but um, it, it was, it was really, it was really fun to see what it looks like when we have to start shipping things around because, you know, unfortunately as the season goes, guys are going to get hurt. Things are going to have to get shifted around. Um, so that was fun. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, too, uh, having Eric Snow as a, a leadoff guy and then having the thumpers behind him, I think that only, you know, will play out really well as the season progresses. And, um, I, I, you know, somebody that gets on base as often as he does, and you got guys like Drew behind him as well. Uh, definitely want to see that consistent lineup going in there uh, day in and day out. And I think we're we're actually seeing a solidification of a lineup quicker than we did in previous seasons as well, which I think is uh, really awesome for the team. They get to gel more in, in those uh, slots in the order. Absolutely. I think, I think it's, it's, you know, what you pointed out about the lineup is right. I think Eric Snow is really great to, in the leadoff position uh, getting on base. And I think it's really tough on opposing pitchers because you get snow on, you know, snow gets on base, then you get a real tough out and, and Brutcher. We talked about the fact that if you pitch to him, he can hurt you but you have to pitch to him. If not, you're going to end up with two runners on and you're going to get Bobby Bozer and Raphael Bedencourt coming up with two runners on and, and nobody out. You know, what do you, you know, that's, <laughs> what do you do? Uh, so that's really tough. And I think we saw Maris get caught in that kind of exact situation multiple times this weekend. No, that's, that's exactly it. All right. Uh, general thoughts on the weekend. Um, I'll just kind of, pointed out, look, Maris really failed to capitalize on some opportunities via the walk. I, I think at one time we talked about they we had walked them 13 times and they scored one run. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the blowouts, you have to understand, they, they maybe shot themselves in the foot a little bit, but at the same time, you on the flip side have to take advantage of opportunities like that. Uh, and, and, you know, when you, when you face a team that's doing this themselves, such as Maris, you should be run ruling and ending these games early, and that's what we did. Uh, and so I thought really it was just a great bounce back weekend after a real tough opener, um, you know, and in the end, we're just going to need to take this momentum and just kind of build on it. Uh, we got it. We got another tough week coming with UC FSU and UCF. So we just need to kind of take this momentum, kind of build on it. Uh, don't really hang our hat on the stats that we piled up, but understand that this is kind of who we are. We can dominate teams that are, that will allow us to do that. Yeah, and I think the, the most important thing from this past weekend was just overall confidence boost, as you mentioned, for the lineup and 
being able to put together a string of good at bats and and knowing that you know you can put put up a lot of runs uh on on a team like that I think it's going to translate well you know you you don't want to see FSU and and uh UCF after you know having only one or two runs scored in a couple of games like we did the last weekend so I feel a lot better you know overall about the offense going into this upcoming uh slate of games that we got Absolutely, absolutely. Well, one last thing before we send it off. Uh, the Bruin and McEwen co-players of the weekend are going to be Rafael Betancourt and Jackson Mayo. Giving you the numbers real quick, Rafael hit 636 with a home run, seven RBIs and eight runs. Jackson hit 533 with a home run, five RBIs and eight runs in a four-game stretch. Absolutely fantastic. Uh for, for Betancourt, he's kind of carried it over over the first five seasons. He's hitting well over 400 for the season. Uh, I believe Jackson is actually hitting over 400 for the season as well because of how great he was in this four-game stretch here. Uh, but he kind of had a, a he kind of struggled in those first two games, and, and it was really good to see him bounce back. Uh, what do you think about those two players? Yeah, I mean, anytime uh, you know for Rafi going four for four in, in a game and tagging on seven RBIs, that's that's a big-time performance, uh, and I don't care who you're playing against. So, you know, congrats to, to Rafi and also congrats to Jackson. Um, obviously, there was a, a couple of struggles earlier, uh, you know, in the season with uh, with last weekend's games, but he, he turned it around really quick. He had a beautiful home run uh, this weekend as well as just overall getting on base and, and getting some great base hits as well. Uh, really excited to see for see see what those guys can do in in the upcoming games here, and uh, we can see that pretty shortly in you know less than uh, fourteen hours. Absolutely, absolutely. You, when you have a rough couple games to start a season like that, it, it can be easy to kind of go into a shell and, and just kind of let it build on itself, no matter what's going on around you. But uh, he, Jackson didn't let that do that. Uh, he had a really, really, really great weekend. It was, it was really great to watch. Uh, so congratulations to you guys uh, from us. Uh, fantastic. Um, so, yeah, I believe that is all we got. Do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I I think we just got to continue to pitch uh, well, pitch in the zone, trust our defenders, and, uh, you know, we got to keep swinging the bats and staying patient. That sums it up. Absolutely. Just stay with ourselves. All right. Well, that is all that we have recapping this past weekend. So now we will send it to Mark as he sits down with Brett Nevitt of Knowles 247, and they will preview Tuesday's midweek game between USF and FSU. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. So I'm here with uh, Brett Nevitt from Knowles 247. Uh, he, I've been following him for a while. Uh, he covers FSU athletics and particularly FSU baseball very closely. Um, so I thought it would be cool to get him on the show uh, before USF plays them tomorrow night in Tallahassee. Uh, give us a little bit of insight into uh, what's going on with FSU baseball and and what we can expect. So, uh, Brett, how are you doing, and uh, how is the FSU baseball season going so far? Yeah, obviously, I'm doing good just with baseball season back. Obviously, it's just nice to have baseball back, I think, um, all around the country. But yeah, Florida State's off to a pretty good start, 6-0, um, two games against Butler opening weekend, and then 
a midweek win at, at JU and then a, a sweep of Western Carolina this past weekend. And obviously we had a pretty disappointing season last year and, and probably the worst season in program history in a really long time, obviously. But um, a lot of new players on our roster this year and, and off to a decent start. And um, these midweek games are always fun with in-state schools. Um, and I think USF and NJU and all those teams, they always give FSU the, their best run at it. So um, it's, I love, I love the midweek games. It's, it's good competition and they, they seem to always come down right to the end in, I mean, the last year extra innings. And if USF catches a, a pop-up in, in shallow center field, that they win that game. So um, I'm sure we'll see another interesting game here tomorrow night. Yeah. the that's a painful memory. I, I remember that game. And uh, yeah, it was a great game, though. I mean, yeah. I, I love the back and forth. It was fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys have definitely seemed to be showing some good improvement uh, from last season. Uh, what, what do you think has helped uh, FSU uh, look look better this year? Yeah, last year we just we didn't have much pitching depth and just in numbers and in, in stuff, really. Um, you know, we lost like four pitchers to the portal from the 2022 team that I think are all going to end up being draft picks by the end of this year. And and with Lincoln and the, the Notre Dame staff, have, they obviously went to Omaha, so they didn't get to Florida State until like early July, which at that point, a lot of the portal arms are taken at that time. So and then we also lost Wyatt Crowell last year, who was our, our, our number one arm to Tommy John surgery. Um, so. You just really didn't have any arms, um, enough arms to to get through a full season. And this year, there's a lot more stuff available on the mound, um, and in the in the lineup as well. There's a lot more depth of of just like power potential and and impact potential um, with the bats, and and some more balance in the lineup um, with newcomers, guys that are transfers, and some guys that are from JUCO ranks. So um, they they just got a lot a little bit better, a good bit better, really, in a, in a few spots and um up and down the roster there's just more depth and and more power both on the mound and, and in the lineup gotcha and speaking of transfers uh usf fans are well aware of one of those guys uh daniel Cantu, who was a four-year player for us um helped us get to our first ever super regional in school history um what have you seen out of, out of him so far what where, where is he playing in the field and where is he hitting in the order and how's he doing yeah Cantu's starting uh playing first base every day for us and I would think that he does that uh, the whole season. Uh, he's been hitting pretty somewhere from five to seven in the order pretty much here through the first six games, um, kind of dependent on on matchups and, and just how guys are going. Um, but he, I mean, he's just a really stable defender. I'm sure that's what you guys saw at USF. It's just a really consistent defender at us for us at first base. And, and that's something that Florida State has has needed for a little bit now. They just haven't, excuse me, had had a very natural defender at first base in a while. And Cantu's been kind of just a, a stabilizing. Uh, he's just been a stable person over there for them to to give them consistency and and help out the defender the other infielders. So, um, and at the plate, he works good at bats, puts the bat to the ball for the most part. I don't think his his average is great right now. I think it's in the in the two hundred somewhere, but. Uh, the first weekend he had lined out like four times, I think, and it's just kind of been an Adam Ball situation. And he's put good swings on balls, just hasn't produced the numbers yet. But, um, you know, I think he hit over 300 last year for, for you guys. So um, you just expect quality at bats from him. And he's a stable presence both in the lineup and and, and defensively and a, a veteran presence that that's good for this team.
Yeah, definitely. I, I noticed you guys also picked up uh, some other good players from uh, Florida schools. I think a guy from UNF Yeah. and, and UCF. How, how are those guys panning out? Yeah, Lodis is the shortstop from UNF. Uh, he's starting at short for us every day. He's off to a bit of a, a slow start, but I think, you know, we expect that he'll end up hitting. I mean, he hit 300 with, like, I think, 16 or 15 home runs at UNF last year. Uh, Drew Ferro is from UCF, but uh, he's originally from Tallahassee. Uh, he was a freshman at UCF last year, hit about 250 with 15 or 16 homers as well. Um, he's playing second base for us and, and he's been off to the hottest start for us offensively. I think he was eight of 11 this weekend with like six extra base hits and that's got his average up to like 520 something right now. Um, so a really good start for Faroe and he's just an athletic guy with some extra base impact in his bat switch hitter. Um, and then, yeah, we also got Cam Leiter from UCF, who's our Friday night starter. And someone that probably projects to be a top one or two round pick next year if, if he's stays healthy and, and throws strikes and, and the stuff keeps coming along. Um, so, yeah, we got we've definitely got some impact guys from in state. And, um, you know, we also got UL Tejeda from Florida, um, but he started on Sunday and, and that didn't go so well. Um, he, he walked the first three batters he faced and didn't throw a strike, unfortunately. But uh, UL is also someone. that has a pretty high ceiling that I think that um, they still have, they still have high hopes of four. Gotcha. And I don't know too much about your team, but I do know the middle of your batting order is pretty potent. Um, Y'all have some guys. Uh, I think they're all draft eligible. Um, tell me a little bit about, about those middle order guys. Yeah, it's kind of the, the top four for us is, is kind of um, Diamas Ross who, who didn't play on Sunday and I don't know if he'll be available on, on, on Tuesday. Um, he just has a kind of, I think he has a minor injury that's, that's kind of day to day right now, but not pushing it this early in the season. But Diamas is, is our table setter, left handed hitter, plays center field. He's a sophomore draft eligible guy, um, just really good baseball instincts and a really good leadoff hitter. Cam Smith hits second and, and, and uh, plays third base. And Cam probably has the highest um, draft prospect profile of, of anybody on our team right now. Um, he was someone that. was projected, I think, number 50 prospect or something in the 2022 draft when he, when he got to campus. Um, and he's a sophomore now. Hit, hit like 250 last year with, with 10 home runs and um, had, had had some struggles with strikeouts, but went to the Cape and, and did a really good job in the Cape and making adjustments and lowering the K rate and seeing some of the strength in, in Cam come out. And he's had a good start this year. And He's driving the ball the opposite way, which which is when he's at his best. Um, and he's someone that has, has huge power potential and could be a first round pick if he was to put it together this year, but probably projects to be like a second rounder right now. Um, James Tibbs, who's hitting, who hits third, he's, he's someone that's done it for two straight years here. I mean, he's hit 300 plus for two straight years, hit 17 homers last year, three homers so far this year with two grand slams. Uh, he was a Cape Cod League All-Star and, and won the Cape League Home Run Derby. So he's someone that's just produced everywhere he's gone and, and, and produced at a high rate at this level for a while now. Um, and just a left-handed power hitter that that is really becoming a complete hitter now. And then Jaime Ferrer, another one that's done it for two years, hitting 300-plus here. Um, had a good summer in the Cape as well. Uh, just a consistent presence in the lineup. Drives runs in, hits a lot of doubles, hoping that the power potential starts to come here a little bit more this season that produces more homers. But 
Uh, Jaime is just someone that puts the bat to the ball at a really high rate and is going to find the barrel on, on almost any pitch that, that he swings at. Nice. Yeah, I'm familiar with some of those names. Uh, but like you said, they've been consistent for you guys for, for a while. And then uh, also just thinking about, um, you know, with Link Jarrett being in his uh, second year there, um, what what what's kind of like his uh, philosophy for the team's like offense or or pitching or just overall that you've seen like his influence on the team and the way that they play? Yeah, I think Link is someone that's really he has a really high attention to detail um, and he prepares he prepares at a high level and they, they practice at a high level um, and he's really really hard on his infield defense and, and, and the details that they do there. And off, offensively, he wants to put pressure on the defense and um, they're going to bunt. They're going to, they're going to try to run the bases and put some hit and run on. Um, I don't think they're completely to the point that he wants them to be at yet defensively or um, like base running wise, but um, they did a really good job opening weekend on the bases. They stole, I think 15 bags in the first three games, but only they only stole one bag this past weekend. So um, that's that base running stuff for them is kind of matchup based. Uh, but Link does like to put the pressure on teams and and try to make things happen. Um, and it's kind of the same way at the plate. They have a lot of different approaches that that, that they take to different pitchers. But um, for the most part, I think Link wants that his batters to be the aggressors um, in the in the matchup. And on the mound, the new pitching coach Mike Posey is kind of the same way. He wants the pitcher to be the aggressor and um Micah at DBU always had um good strikeout numbers with his staff and so far this year we, we've seen I think the strikeouts are 16 strikeouts per game per game right now which I think will probably still be leading the country once NCAA updates their stat site which always takes forever <laughs> but um I think when that happens that they'll still be number one so um yeah uh Link is someone that's just attention to detail is his big thing and um, he just, he's always kind of prepared for the, for the moments that, that come their way. Nice. You said your pitching coach came from Dallas Baptist. Yes. Yeah. Mike. Okay. okay. That's a solid program. Yeah. Gotcha. And then, uh, so thinking about, uh, the matchup, uh, tomorrow night, uh, with USF visiting Florida state, um, what, what, who do you think that we may see start for you guys? What arms do you think that we might see for you guys? And tell me a little bit about, um, those guys. Yeah. So, Connor Whitaker started for us on Tuesday against Jacksonville and, and made a normal start. He was scheduled to be our Sunday starter to begin the year. Um, but we didn't, we didn't, we had one game canceled due to rain that first weekend, which I think most teams in the state, I think you guys as well had some, had some games canceled on opening weekend because of the weather in the state. But um, so he ended up getting pushed to Tuesday. Link was asked about it yesterday and wasn't committed to, to, to Connor starting completely, but um I think it would, if you were to project it out, it would be Connor, um, who Connor's a, a junior, someone that's thrown a lot of innings here, um, has put up good numbers in, in multiple different roles at Florida State. He didn't start starting until kind of halfway through last season. And then once he started starting, had I think he went five plus innings in all but one of his eight starts. Um, he's someone that's three pitches in the strike zone. Sinking low 90s fastball that creates a lot of ground balls. Uh, slider that's gotten a lot better over the last couple of years. It's probably going to be 81 to 84 and then get swings and misses from right-handed hitters. And then um, pitch that's been his out pitch for the last two years has been his changeup. And he does a really good job with his changeup against left-handed hitters. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, I think we'll see Wit. I don't know for sure, though. Um, but when he's in there, he's someone that you expect to give you five-plus innings and a quality start most of the time. And, 
he's going to have the ball in the strike zone at a high rate. Um, some other guys that you could pops possibly see um, Carson Dorsey piggybacked off of off of Whitaker against Ju on Tuesday and and, and threw three point two innings out of the pen and <laughs> struck out ten batters. Um, all but one of his ounces on strikeouts. Dorsey's a JUCO transfer. Um, I think he's got 15 Ks and in, in, in 5.1 innings so far this year. Um, he was leading the country in strikeouts coming in to this weekend. Um, but he didn't throw this weekend. Um, so he'll probably be available. He'll be available on Tuesday for, for kind of that same role that he was available for at, at JU, depending on kind of where the game is at. Um, he'll be one of our high leverage arms for this entire season, probably. But He's someone that started at, at uh, Gulf Coast State his whole judo career, so he's he's kind of built up to throw extended work, and it's a really good fastball from the left side. That it's it's not the highest of velocities. He can run it up to ninety six at times, but for the most part, he'll be like ninety one, ninety three, and he just gets really good riding life on the fastball. And um, I mean, we I watched Ju hitters just walk back to the dugout, kind of clueless on what was going on um, that whole Tuesday night game. So. I'm sure teams will st will start to try to jump the fastball because they know they're going to get it with Dorsey. Um, but if he continues to execute up in the zone, then then he should be good. Um, but another option probably out of the pen will probably be Ben Barrett, who threw Friday for us, I think, three scoreless innings, about 50 pitches. He's someone else who will probably be one of our bulk arms out of the bullpen this year. Nice, nice. And uh, my last thing for you uh... – what are your uh, predictions for the game? How do you see this game kind of shaking out? Are you thinking higher scoring, lower scoring? Uh, what do you think? I mean, you never know what you're going to get with these midweek games. But like I said, I mean, these games always seem to end up being close and and, and coming down to who, who executes late in game. And um, last year, obviously, went to extra innings. Um, I think there's there's been close games both at USF and at Florida State over the last – 10 years or so and that's kind of how it goes and when you got so many good players from this state and the high school ranks um all these teams are, are talented and i mean unf usf ju uh ucf uh fgcu all these teams and we play fgcu twice in a, a couple weeks i think and, and that will be as as tough as any weekend series we play probably um and you know there's just a lot of good players and at a lot of these programs and I'm sure the game tomorrow will come down to those last couple innings. Um, you know, I think with Whitaker on the mound that, that he should keep it low scoring. Um, if he, if he is on the mound, I don't know for sure yet. Uh, I haven't got the probables or anything like that, but um, you know, you just expect Whitaker to execute when he's out there. Cause that's what he's done the last two years. Um, so I guess we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but, but looking forward to it. I always like the the Florida matchups, and I'm t I'm from Tampa, and um, and I think USF has some kids from Jesuit where I went to. So, oh, nice. Okay. Uh, so I like these these in state matchups, and and looking forward to it tomorrow night. Awesome, awesome. And the last thing is just um, you know, I really enjoy you as a follow on Twitter. Um, can you talk a little bit about um uh, what you got going on? Anything you want to plug, like your websites or your pages or anything like that? Yeah, I, I cover Florida State Athletics, like you said, for Knowles 247, which you can find at Knowles247.com if you're interested in Florida State things. And um, uh, my Twitter is at Brett PN. And then I also have a podcast with Aria Masudi, who's a, who's a broadcaster up here and broadcasted our games this weekend. Um, our podcast is called Sunday Golds, a Florida State baseball podcast. And we have a Twitter for that that's at Sunday Golds if you ever want to 
just listen to some college baseball information. Um, we talk about some national stuff too, but mostly Florida State stuff. Um, but I think just listening to college baseball stuff around the country is, is interesting and fun to see how other programs are doing and coming along. But yeah, that's all, all the places you can find me at. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you, Brett. I enjoyed the chat and uh, we'll talk to you yeah. soon. Thanks.